When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, this is Dan Lobby. Before we get started here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, let me tell you about Football Insider, our text subscriber service where me, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Alice Williams will text you with the latest on the Browns news, analysis, what we're thinking, and more. You can text us back and we respond directly to you cutting through the clutter of social media. You also get opportunities to get involved in this podcast and participate in roundtables and other events for our subscribers. It's like a little club and you want to get involved with this club. You even get a newsletter every day. It's got exclusive content you either won't see on cleveland.com or you'll see before anyone else. You know what though? Don't let me tell you about it. How about if you hear from some of our subscribers as to why they love Football Insider? I, I don't know why any Browns fan would not want to have this. It's great. There's something every day. I mean, it's really, really key, keeps me in touch with the uh, the Browns. The daily newsletter that y'all put out there, I, I really like that. It's got a lot of links, a lot of different read-ups. I, I mean, just, you know, you get a lot of content. That's why I like it. If I'm at work or something, I need a quick break, I can hit that up and say, oh, and in a minute I can read uh, what you wrote and, uh, you know, see maybe that there's further information in, you know, one of your other articles or something like that. I get excited when I see, you know, my little text messages pop up. <laughs> so if you want to join us, you can start a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com slash browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. It's $3.99 per month after the trial. Or even easier, since it is a text service, pick up your phone and text 216-208-3965 to get signed up. Again, to start your 14-day free trial, text 216-208-3965. Hey everybody, it is our Browns post-game show. I am Dan Lobby, and I'm joined here to kick us off by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. How are you doing? I'm doing well. The Browns are winners today, uh, surprising everyone on our staff for sure. Uh, most of us picked against the Browns, but they are 49-38 to 38 winners today here in Jerry World, right behind me. Uh, Mary Kay, this was an absolutely insane game. As this 60 minutes is playing out, I guess let's just start here. It's kind of the gamut of emotions, right? What were you thinking? Well, you know, first of all, the thing that comes to mind is, boy, is Kevin Stefanski an aggressive play caller? He's an aggressive coach. And this team is taking on the personality of their coach. Of course, who ever thought that after everything, the way that it happened, that they had a 41-14 lead, that these guys would score three touchdowns, the Cowboys, in the fourth quarter, and pulled within 41-38. And obviously then they needed Odell Beckham Jr. to save them. And he did. This guy has try been trying to tell us, I am a star. Feed me. Let me help you win games. This is what I can do. I want more. And he went out and did it. it yeah, and it started with that, that great play from Jarvis Landry to, to Odell Beckham. And I've been talking about this. I think getting Odell Beckham touches early in the game now. I think getting Jarvis Landry early in the game matters. I think when those guys are involved and those guys are engaged, it doesn't mean you have to force them for 60 minutes, but you'll have them later when you need them. And boy, did this team need Odell later in this game. They really did. And you know what? Stars want to be stars. These guys haven't gone to multiple Pro Bowls for nothing. Jarvis Landry hasn't gone to five Pro Bowls and Odell Beckham Jr. three Pro Bowls. He knows what he's capable of. And these guys want to shine on the big stage. They want to be the reason that the Browns win. They want to be why uh, you can open up a 41 to 14 lead. And, you know, that was such a great play. It, came, it was Odell's 50th touchdown. It was Jarvis's 100th straight game. And, you know, good, good for them. These two best friends wanted to be together here in Cleveland and do some special, special teams, things with this football team. And they for sure did that today. Three and one at this point in the season. This means the Browns have an opportunity to, to do something this season. I mean, three and one at the quarter pole is pretty darn good. You know, we talked about this, I, I think, a little bit on, on the podcast this week. 
if if this team got to two and two after four games, that's really good. Like that's where you want to be. You're two and two. You had Baltimore. You had a road game in Dallas, and now you're three and one. And the sky is the limit at this point. You know, you you've got some tough games left. Obviously, they're going to play Indianapolis next week. That's a good team. You know, then you're going to have to go to Pittsburgh. Yeah, so there's still some difficult games. There's still some challenges ahead. But sitting at three and one in a year when seven teams make the playoffs, everything's right out there in front of you now. And you're still in the division race. Uh, You're starting to discover who you are. And I think that's really important. We're four games in. There's four preseason games every year. It really feels like this team is starting to find its footing a little bit. Yeah, and you know what? There are definitely some winnable games the rest of the way. When you look at the rest of the schedule, I mean, when they start playing – you know, the Giants and the Jets and some of these teams, they're going to win some more football games. And, you know, I think at three and one, they have to be feeling pretty good about where they are right now. And I think that fans should be feeling pretty good about it too, because it means that they're onto something. I think the key here too, is that, uh, you know, their big stars are coming up big. We all knew they had these big players last year, Miles Garrett, Nick Chubb, who of course we're waiting to hear about his knee injury. Hopefully it's not too serious, but, You know, when you have players like Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, Nick Chubb, there's a lot of first-round picks on this team. Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, they should be winning games. They should be winning football games. And they they called it aggressively. They played it well. And this team is one that I think uh, Browns fans are going to really start to fall in love with. Let's let's talk about Kevin Stefanski. You touched on him. And I just thought this during the game. I may have texted it out or I may have put it in my instant reaction. Don't remember which. Um, this team is so well coached right now. Like, like you can just tell, even as it was starting to fall apart there at the end, you know, that they still unflappable. They really seem to embody kind of what he is. But I'm just watching this thinking this team knew they could do whatever they wanted to offensively. They spent so much of those that first three quarters just imposing their will the entire game. I, I don't look out there and see a team that doesn't look like a professional team, that doesn't look like a team that doesn't belong on the field. The coaching has been absolutely fantastic. It's not just Stefanski, it's Bill Callahan. I thought Joe Wood's defense, that fourth quarter aside, I thought had one of their best games today. You know, that's sort of how we have to divide talking about this game a little bit, I guess. Uh, but the, those first two and a half quarters, they were pretty good. Um, this team is just really well coached. Kevin Stefanski is living up to the hype. Yeah, it really is. I mean, he, he's doing a good job of keeping these guys, uh, you know, just really focused on the next game, having them believing that they can win, uh, eliminating the outside noise and you know, getting them fired up. And, and just these guys, I think he listens to guys like Odell and Jarvis. I think that's why they really like him a lot. They want to run through a wall for him, even though uh, it seemed like, Things weren't going to go their way early on in the season. It was going to be sort of run heavy. And he kept, he kept on saying, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're only three games in. Don't label us right now. That's unfair. It's too early. Give us a chance. And look, I mean, he, he's exactly right. He pulls out the stops. I mean, if he's worried that Baker Mayfield can't hit a deep ball early on in the game, let's have Jarvis Landry do it, right? I mean, right. whatever it takes to win, whatever it takes to win. And there are so many weapons on this team that if, if the running game isn't the thing that day, you know, you can be passing it. You can you can go one running back or another running back. You can have your de- – the defense. How about the defense coming up with uh, five turnovers last week and three takeaways this week? You're going to win a lot of football games when you are uh, plus three in the turnover margin. I mean, like 80% of the time you're winning that football game. And, and they're turning those turnovers into points a, a lot of the time too. You know, they're – they're punishing teams when they turn the football over. And I think what really impressed me today about the defense was last week, you could sit there and make the case with the exception of the Miles Garrett play that they were getting gifts. I mean, Dwayne Haskins was throwing the football directly to them. In this game, they were making their own luck. Miles Garrett with another strip sack. You know, Andrew Sandejo, who, who Roman in the chat just pointed out was a glaring issue. It's not wrong, but it was Andrew Sandejo who made the strip of Ezekiel Elliott when he was still laying on a Browns player. They, they went and took the football today. Denzel Ward saves the game with an interception. Uh, the defense today really it wasn't just them getting gifted things. They kind of went out and made their own luck a little bit. Yeah, they, they really did. And, you know, I, every single day we watched practice during training camp, they really focused on stripping the ball out of there. They do a lot of strip drills. They do a lot of interception drills. 
all kinds of fumble drills and they emphasized it. And I've always asked coaches in the past, are you going to emphasize and focus on taking the ball away? And they always say, yes, they give lip service to it, but these guys actually practice the heck out of it. And I knew they were going to do it because Joe Wood came from San Francisco and they really, really focus on that out there in San Francisco. So I, that was one of the first questions that I asked him uh, when he had his introductory press conference about that. And he was like, it's all about getting ball. It's all about getting that ball away. And they are doing that. And like you said, the offense is capitalizing on it. Hopefully again, it, this Nick Chubb thing won't be serious, but we have said this before. If Nick Chubb or one of these running backs had to be in, injured, they have two number one running backs on this football team. If there was one injury that wasn't going to be absolutely catastrophic to this team it was going to be either nick or kareem because you have another one of those guys that can get that job done and then dearness johnson came in and led the team with 95 rush rushing yards uh, a couple of you have joined in here and, and i just tried to jump on the video um just for now uh if, if you avoid hitting that start video button uh, we'd appreciate it just because we kind of double uh, double duty this first part of the podcast. We make a video for our Browns YouTube channel. So uh, it's, a, it's a little less distracting. We don't have people jumping in and out. But once uh, once we get past this first segment, feel free to jump back on video if you're able to. Uh, let's talk about that running game. Over 300 yards in a game when Nick Chubb left in the first quarter. I, I mean, that, that to me is the most telling thing about how effectively this team runs the ball and frankly, how good this offensive line is. Yes. And you know what? I mean, we can say all we want that this is a bad defense and really it, it is a pretty bad defense. And, you know, I'm sure that's going to be all of the talk in uh, in Dallas for the next week is how horrible, horrible their defense is. But there's something to be said for the Browns offense. They have weapons. The thing that we didn't know was Baker Mayfield going to be the one to be able to pull it all together and light it up and make it be the explosive offense that it can be. Well, he played better this game. He was more than just a game manager. I thought he was very decisive uh, with his passing. He had that one late one uh, down the left side line to Odell that he needed to make that throw. You and I talked about that in the press box. He needed to make that throw to close out the game and not let them get back into it. But, uh, you know, for the most part, I thought he played a really good game and he looks like he's gaining confidence in the system. And I think Kevin Stefanski is figuring out how to help Baker look good and feel good about his performance. Yeah, I thought this was, this was again, kind of that ideal Baker Mayfield performance based on where he is right now. Um, not, you know, I don't know if I want to throw the word game manager out there. I thought he made some really nice throws, but again, they didn't ask him to do a ton. We might be talking about it different if they lose this game, just because, you know, he has to make that throw to Odell, but he didn't. The Browns end up hanging on anyway, uh, and, I, and I thought Baker did what he needed to do today. Yes, absolutely, 100%, and I think he will get better as the weeks go by. I think that uh, this was kind of like preseason for Baker, new system, new footwork, new personnel, new everything. Now he's getting to know the coaches, they're getting to know him, and he is part of helping the team win instead of just managing the game. Right on time, Scott Patsko joining us uh, here on our post-game show. Mary Kay, if you've got to go and start some writing, you can uh, go ahead and do that. You can hang out here for a little while longer if you want to. It's entirely up to you. But uh, everyone else, now's, uh, now's your chance to jump in and ask questions. You can also use that chat function. Uh, if you see the uh, raise hand when you open the participant screen, you should be able to, uh, to get what you want uh, said here on the show. Or if you want to say something in the chat, you can. But Scott, as I bring you in here, uh, to talk about this game, a 49-38 win by the Browns. Uh, tell me how you were feeling in that fourth quarter. Let's just let's just start there. That was uh, what looked like it was going to be kind of a boring finish turned into one of the wildest fourth quarters I've seen. Scott, you're muted. There we go. There it is. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, the fourth quarter, I was staring at my delete button a lot. Uh, trying to figure out if I needed to rewrite some stuff. Uh, it, it's weird trying to write as the game is coming down and to the end and it's all of a sudden in question. Uh, but it was, I guess it was a surprise the way the game started out, but by the end, it was probably more like we originally thought it would be. Uh, a lot of points, a lot of, a lot of defenders running around trying to figure out how to stop an offense and, uh, 
and you know a down to the wire finish so it was a weird way how i got to that point but we ended up i think largely with what a lot of people thought we'd see yeah a lot of points um it, we just got there in a strange way uh the odell beckham run i think summed this game up a lot you know he he takes that that handoff from baker and it looks like he's going to be tackled in the backfield and what a disaster but then he makes something out of nothing um it, it was sort of I guess it was sort of out of character, but also just in character for this game. It was probably the one play that Kevin Stefanski called today that absolutely didn't work, but then it, it worked spectacularly. Yeah, that was. I don't know if ever before in Brown's history there have been two back-to-back -back plays where you were like, no, 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 yes. <laughs> because really that play and then the, uh, the, uh, the point after try, which was a chaos by itself, uh, it was – it was just two incredible plays that like, did that really just happen? But you're right. That, that play really should have been blown up. Uh, but you know, Beckham makes the play and gets around the corner. And then there's just a lot of poor angles and, and bad tackling on the Cowboys part. And next thing you know, he's in the end zone. It's, I think I, I come away from this game thinking, all right, that play happened. I think because the Browns deserve to win this game, the way they started off and the way they overcame losing Nick Chubb. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a crazy play that if that doesn't work, uh, you know, Freddie kitchens is all over Twitter and, and references to him and play calling and, you know, but it worked. And so, you know, Kevin Stefanski is a genius now. Yeah. So let, let's get to a couple of, uh, these chat questions that some folks have put in from Shannon. Uh, the Browns came in and took the win deep in the heart of Texas. What a great feeling. Uh, and, and Shannon apparently saw this one live. So. I think that's really what impressed me is this team today. And again, that, that fourth quarter makes it a little tough to talk about the game collectively because it was such a strange fourth quarter and things were kind of bad. But at least when they built this lead, they were really just imposing their will and, and doing what they wanted to. And I think that talk, I think that speaks to the coaching more than anything. That they knew what they wanted to do and they did it. Yeah, and I think the offensive line deserves a lot of credit for, for helping build that. I think you had well, Chubb, I think, was at 6.5 yards of carry for the brief time he was in there. Then you had Dernis Johnson and um, Kareem Hunt, both over seven yards of carry. Um, obviously, Odell Beckham Jr., way <laughs> over seven yards of carry. Uh, but, yeah, the offensive line kind of uh, came out and proved that it, it, it's the real deal. And, you know, it didn't really matter who else, who, who was running behind that line. I mean, Dernis Johnson, it, it, it almost turned into the Dernis Johnson game there when he finally got on the field and starts busting off. 15, 20 yard runs. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you can't stop a team from running like that, it's, that's how you build the lead, keep the ball. And there was just these long stretches where, you know, the Cowboys offense just wasn't on the field. And obviously, especially over the, the end of the second quarter and the beginning of the third, where the Browns got to double up and really extend that lead. Um, but, you know, eventually they did get back on the field and the Browns really had to play some defense and, and struggled. But uh, I think, Kevin Stefanski's offense is working and the first three quarters there really prove it. Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad you brought up that, that second end of the first half into the second, into the second half. And, you know, everybody kind of knows about the, the double dip, right? We all know how coaches do that, how they, you know, you defer so you can maybe get that double dip first half to second half. But I thought this was the second game in a row. And this one in particular where Kevin Stefanski came out, and knew what he wanted to do in the second half and managed the clock really well. He did it last year, last week against Washington, uh, but they almost kind of scored too easily against Washington. There were still 30 seconds left. Uh, but this week they come out 353 on the clock, so it was a true four-minute offense. And, you know, aside from maybe not being able to get into the end zone, which I'm sure he would have preferred, really played it perfectly. I think that was, again, that's just one of those things that I think you look at and say, okay, this team is clearly being managed better, coached better, planning better. They needed a four minute drive. They put one together and it really kind of gave them probably the mostly what they needed because had they not maybe gotten points at the end of the half, not gotten points at the beginning of the second half, we might be talking about a different outcome. Yeah, I think, well, again, the ability to run the ball really let that happen because they ran three straight times on that drive and they ended up getting a first down Then he gets a two minute warning and then Baker Mayfield, you know, they start passing. Um, and move the ball down the field. So if Dernis Johnson, again, doesn't come out and, and, and 
get some big gains there uh, to, to start off that drive. And, you know, again, you're, you're looking at a different situation, but you have to, just about every coach, they're at the 10 yard line. They're going to start they're going to run it. You know, if you're, if you have a lead like that, you're going to run it, see what you can get. And that's kind of what Stefanski did. And, you know, his, his offense made it work and they got to that two minute warning. And now then you're on the fast track. They're like, all right, we have a chance here to, to move down the field and get some points. Uh, let's get to a couple more things here in the chat. And again, if, if you want to join us, uh, feel free to uh, use that raise hand function or uh, maybe jump on one of those little, if you can't find the raise hand, jump on one of those icons down at the bottom. Uh, and I should be able to see you uh, and, and bring you on. Uh, let me close the chat here. That was, a, that was a mistake on my part. Sorry about that, folks. But uh, one of the bad things today, and it's weird to say this because he, because he did force one of the turnovers, uh, Andrew Sendejo. Now, Scott, we did see some more Ronnie Harrison today. Not a ton, but we did see him a little bit in some three safety sets. He almost had a pick. Sendejo had a little bit of a rough day today, to say the least, outside of that forced fumble. Um, from your vantage point, did you get to see much of Sendejo, and, and just what did you think? I, I saw Sendejo usually at the end of the plays. I was trying to track Miles Garrett a little more today. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the entire secondary – is, uh, is having its issues. And I, you know, more Ronnie Harrison, we'll find out if that's really what, what makes this work or not. But um, there isn't a lot to do at safety other than trying to get these players to play better. There just aren't a lot of options. They, they don't want to put Sheldrick Redwine on the field. So Ronnie Harrison seems like the guy who's going to be trying to eat into those snaps for everybody else or, you know, the, the three safety looks. So it's, it's play better or, or this is, <laughs> this is what they have and, and that's it. But I mean, as, as bad as that has been, the Browns, I think they're at plus six turnover differential. Now. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know the updated number, but yeah, you're probably close if you're not that on. Um, Cowboys, by the way, are minus seven. So, you know, I think, uh, I'm not sure which podcast it was on, but we were talking this week about bend but don't break defense. And that's kind of what the Browns have been in some ways. They, they are able to get to the, to the quarterback. They're able to stop the run. But if you can pass through them, that's how you start stretching them out and putting them in situations where they're either going to give up touchdowns or they're going to you know, make the plays to, to get turnovers. And today they did enough in the turnover category to, to hold off the Cowboys. Yeah, I think they kind of know what they are. You know, they're not going to be a, a shutdown unit. They're not going to be the the 2000 Ravens or, or someone like that. But turnovers, I mean, turnovers are the name of the game in the NFL anyway. You know, the, the teams that force turnovers are, are the teams that win. Um, and, and the Browns have done that the last two weeks. I, I said this, I don't think you were on yet, but I, I said this with Mary Kay. Um, against Washington, they force all those turnovers, but a lot of them were gifts. Mm-hmm. And in this game, they kind of went and took them. And then they're turning those turnovers into points. And that's just really important to be able to do that. And Taki Taki and, and Phillips each could have had an interception too today. You know, they went through their hands and he missed opportunities there. So they're, they're getting those opportunities to, to get the ball. And more often than not, they are getting it. Okay. Uh, Ellis Williams is here. But first, before we bring on Ellis, we do have a raised hand. And it is a familiar, uh, familiar face, I guess we'll call him. He uh, joined our podcast the other day for our picks podcast, we're going to bring in uh, River McWilliams here. I'm going, I think you're unmuted already, River, so go ahead. Yeah, I think uh, if you can hear me, um, yep. there were a couple things. One, I wanted to brag about my three and one picks. You know, I think I did <laughs> all right there. I also need to tell you my, my wing place, Amherst Alehouse. There we go. But along, along the lines of what we were just talking about, I, I know that we're plus in our turnovers, but I really feel like we're leaving a lot of interceptions out you know, just going through hands. Sandejo has been nothing but a liability. I just, what do you think is holding back, you know, Ronnie Harrison or uh, Sheldon Goodwin from actually just taking over Sandejo? Because he just, he's not been playing well. Well, Ellis, you just joined us. So we'll let you take this one first. Yeah, look, it's tough to know exactly what is keeping Sandejo on the field outside of just his familiarity with both Kevin Stefanski, their long run uh, there with the Vikings, and then, of course, with Joe Woods. You know, a lot of these times these coaches lean and rely on veterans they trust despite the results not working out. And, look, this is only – Kevin Stefanski has said it. This is a quarter of the season. So, if he's still out there, you know, 
week six, seven, and eight, then we're, you know, we really have some, some thing to talk about here, but pulling a player, despite how ter- terrible they look for a guy who just got in here or a second year player that they didn't draft isn't uh, cause for alarm. I understand the results of the results. I'm not debating or arguing whether Sandejo has been anything short of a liability. He, he 100% has been, but I'm just trying to get you inside the mindset of a coach. Um, when you're making those decisions, you veterans tend to have the upper hand and then the familiarity in your mind, you trust them. And then you keep defending at that point by saying, Oh, well, he'll, he'll, he'll get it figured out. He, he's a vet. He'll get it figured out. And I think Sandejo's hit that wall. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, that we start seeing less of Sandejo, but again, that hasn't happened yet. Some of this too is interesting because again, that this fourth, this fourth preseason, I'm sorry, this fourth game is so important this year, especially because normally you have four preseason games. So really September was very much, I don't want to say it was preseason, but it was still, it was some of the stuff you might get done in preseason, right? Your first chance to see guys, your first chance to see how those safeties actually look on the field. Um, So I feel like we're getting to a point now, and I think it showed in spots today where this coaching staff has a better feel uh, than they had three, four weeks ago in part because now they've got four games under their belt. And I think we're going to see, I think we're going to continue to see this point upward as they really figure this thing out and figure out how all these pieces fit and how to use them. I mean, on the offensive side, yes. On the defensive side, I think they're still figuring things out uh, a little more and they're really hoping that they get healthier. Uh, It was good to see uh, Jacob Phillips on the field. Uh, I believe Mac Wilson was out there today. So, you know, you have to kind of get a look at some different groupings, maybe a linebacker going forward, but on offense, yeah, this, this team looked like it took a major step forward today. It was like, you know, if this was the third preseason game, (laughs) this is exactly the kind of uh, performance you'd want to see in that where everything was just, just seemed to work right. Somebody in the chat brings this up and we need to, we need to give these guys the love they deserve. And I, I think you guys did a whole segment on your podcast about one of these guys, the offensive line. If we're going to talk about this running game and what they did today with Nick Chubb leaving in the first quarter, Kareem Hunt, clearly not hundred percent. Dearness Johnson carrying the bulk of the, the rushing load, uh, 300 yards. You got to point to the offensive line. You got to point to scheme and line. And this person specifically mentioned Wyatt Teller, Jedrick Wills has, has been very good. Um, you know, again, Four games in, that sample size keeps getting a little bit bigger every single week that this offensive line just might be legit. Yeah, and, and I have three takeaways that I think decided the game, and the offensive line play is one of them. Specifically, the Browns averaged 7.7 yards per carry today. Uh, and you guys already – I came in here, you guys are already talking about the turnovers. So, so when you're plus three and averaging 7.7 yards per carry, almost eight yards a pop, you're really going to beat anyone. And that's what we saw today. And that's not – sliding the win by any means it's more of just a testament how great this offensive line is playing they're controlling and dictating the terms um playing hand in hand with that plus three turnover differential um on the browns i think the touchdown that made it 28 14 after the miles garrett uh fumble recovery the browns scored in four plays had three first downs and one touchdown i mean they didn't even face a second down all from running the ball 10, 11 yards a pop. That is all offensive line dominance right there. That's stuff you see in, in high school games, and I've said this before, in, in Division One games, uh, week one type stuff, when you're just playing a lesser opponent. I mean, that is bully ball that shouldn't happen at the highest level of this game, but the Browns are doing it right now. Yeah, if you're into pro football focus grading, uh, Treader, or Teller, top-graded uh, run-blocking guard in the NFL, Petonio and, and Treader are both in the top 10 at their positions. Wills and Conklin aren't nearly as high, but they're, they're doing fine. The Browns obviously are, are, aren't uh, having issues running to the outside. So the, one of the interesting things, though, is that even when they, you know, Teller being on the right, even when they run left, it's often, often behind Teller because the whole line is moving and, and it just so happens that that hole is, is, you know, to the left or to the right or wherever Teller is. So uh, he's moving around a lot and they're taking advantage of it. It's, it's really fun to watch when, I mean, when you have two mobile guards and Teller and Batonio and a mobile center too in Fredder, uh, but really those two guys, and then you've got a fullback and, and you can just set up a wall. And I, I think it speaks to, you know, 
maybe uh, this is an off-season topic. When it comes time to talk about how much to pay Nick Chubb, maybe uh, this game will come up in discussions. Now, I think the Dallas defense had something to do with it, but it does speak to this scheme, how it creates opportunities for runners and, and how you can really put guys in there and they can be successful if the offensive line in front of them is doing their job uh, within this scheme. Let's talk Baker because uh, we talk about him every single week and we haven't talked a ton about him just yet. This was sort of... Uh, I guess I felt like it was similar to last week's game for Baker. Is that, is that fair? What did you guys think? It was, it was similar. It, he had 30, uh, 30 attempts today. So it was right in that 25 to 30 range that, uh, that we kind of expect a, a Stefanski quarterback to have. And, you know, he completed over 60% of his passes, third straight, a hundred uh, passer rating of at least a hundred, no interceptions for the second straight week. Um, a lot of, uh, we put up a poll after the game. A lot of people in the last few weeks have given him B's, like a solid B. But I'm wondering if this should be considered an A Baker Mayfield game from now on, because this is, they're 3-0 they're and o when he does this. And, and it seems to be that this is kind of what you're going to get out of Baker. Um, it didn't turn into a game today where he kind of had to win it, which I thought going in that maybe it would. Um, there, the, the chance was there because the Cowboys aren't great in the secondary either, but you know, they, they leaned on the run game and they didn't have to do it. So I think this is what you're going to see more often than not from Baker Mayfield. Yeah. And, and quickly to wrap up the, the point about this team's rushing ability I and mean, yeah. Odell Beckham Jr. Had two carries for 73 yards today. You know, of course, one of them is a 50 yard carry, but that first carry goes for 23 also. So, I mean, that's just, those are just numbers you don't see. That's gotta be a career high for Odell rushing off the top of my head. Um, so when, even when your star receiver can get carries like that and just set the edge, um, that speaks to the dominance out front and how they're containing everyone um, inside the box. As for Baker Mayfield, Scott, I, I agree with you there. This is becoming the, the Baker game. He, and I've been saying it since week two, he is dead accurate in the red zone. When it matters in close, he is as pinpoint and as accurate as he can get. He's becoming a bit of a magician uh, behind the line of scrimmage the, with the way he's moving the ball around in the play action. Um, he's dedicated to selling out his fakes. He is completely bought into this offense in the red zone and in close. But again, why it continues to be the Baker Mayfield game is because that 5.5 average yards per completion is quite alarming. You know, he's just not moving the ball downfield. And I think the throw that says it all is when he missed OBJ on, a, I think it would have been a third and five at, with like six yep. minutes left to play down the sideline. Um, that's probably a touchdown. And he just completely sailed it on him. And Baker knew it. Um, I, I heard the broadcasting team announcing it. Um, that's just a miss. And his night looks a lot different if he hits that one throw. So Kevin Stefanski is going to demand his quarterback hit those deep throws because that is what comes with the play action pass, even though that didn't come off play action. But still, you need to be accurate throwing the ball downfield. And we haven't necessarily see, seen Baker put together a complete game in that sense. He's pinpoint accurate and close and in the red zone. And that is far more important than hitting a, a wide open receiver downfield, but it needs to come together in a complete game here soon. Yeah. It, it just kind of comes down to at some point, like we've talked about, they are going to need Baker to make that throw that he missed in the fourth quarter. Um, and, you know, if he's unable to, it could cost them a game. And it almost cost them today when he couldn't make that throw. Uh, just have but, Landry throw it. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> just have Landry throw it. I mean, Odell Beckham did say he would trade, trade every touchdown he's had. So uh, to have that Jarvis Landry touchdown. Cause, Unless you were going to say something. Dan, you make, yeah, no, I'm just saying you make, you make a really good point about how it almost cost them. I mean, after that third and five miss, uh, they punt, the, the Browns punt, and two minutes later, Dak Prescott goes down and makes it a, a three-point game. You know, now we're talking about the end around again and how that was um, – really a risk at all play from Kevin Stefanski and he talked about it after the game that it didn't look all too good and then it, it was you know that was a huge play call but there, there's just these uh, sequence of events that happen where Baker Mayfield if he just completes that pass um, you don't put your coach in a position to call a risky play like that and you don't keep having your defense be exhausted down the stretch there I mean those defensive linemen were tired and that's Sure, we can say conditioning, you need to be ready for the fourth quarter, but they're playing a lot of snaps, and that is all due to not being able to convert a, a third and five there. And that's, it didn't cost them today, and, but eventually we keep saying we're going to have to see it. 
let's let's steal some gotta watch the tape thunder here uh because as as roman says in the uh in the chat speaking of red zone offense stefanski is a master ellis you wrote about it you guys talked about it on your on your pod this week if you're not subscribed to orange and brown talk you're missing this gotta watch the tape pod that posts twice a week along with our daily pod so, so make sure you're subscribed to that uh it almost feels like you just know the Browns are going to score down there now. It, it would almost be, I mean, the shock is when, you know, was it against Cincinnati when they ran four times into the line and were unable to score? I, I mean, those are the surprises now. You just sort of expect this team to score in the red zone. Yeah, you do. You do. And that's what we were talking about on Gotta Watch the Tape. Um, they're so deep down there. There's so many options and so many plays that Kevin Spansky can go to. Um, we detailed how, again, they can run it because they're averaging seven point yards a carry in a game like this. Uh, but they're better when they are dressing it up and disguising and using play action. Uh, the Austin Hooper touchdown today is a great example of that. Just these guys are wide open in the end zone, and it seems like Kevin Stefanski's bag of tricks uh, is endless. And I don't want to say tricks as in they're gimmicky. They are just plays that are dressed up to look different, but it's simple for the offense, and the defense has no idea where these tight ends and backs are slipping into. And I'll say this, on the Odell Beckham touchdown I thought was really impressive, that was just a one-man route. It was play action, and it was up to Odell to beat his man one-on-one, and that's just Kevin Stefanski doing something I didn't expect him to do all that much, and that's calling a specific red zone play uh, for Odell Beckham Jr. We talked about that specifically on Gotta Watch the Tape. I remember Doug bringing it up. And that's just Stefanski trusting his guy to beat the corner across from him, and Baker, again, having a great play fake and delivering a, a dart. That Their options are endless down in the red zone, and that's why I believe they're going to keep being one of the best red zone teams in football. That's where scheme shines, right? I mean, that's really where scheme shines. As a, That's really where you can tell where a team is, is very well coached. Uh, Terry Pluto has jumped in here. Terry, I don't know if you're able to turn on your video or want to, but you can. Scott and Ellis, you guys are welcome to hang around still as well if you guys need to go. Uh, this is this is your chance because maybe you don't want to talk to Terry, but it's up to you guys. Terry. You know, there are times Terry doesn't <laughs> want to talk to Terry. <laughs> but today, I, wanted to get, I wanted to get on because the game was so much fun. It just was fun to watch. And I, I like what uh, just a little bit what Ellis said about the and both of you guys about the red zone stuff because I was just trying to look some stuff up now on that because you remember how brutal it was last year and it's amazing what play fakes and little short passes can do yeah terry i want to get your impression of this of this game because it's such a weird game to talk about because of what happened at the end and because dallas did make it more interesting than mm-hmm. it should have been but that does i guess how it finished change your perspective on the game or is this still like I mean, to me, this was still a very impressive football game, which is easy to say because they hung on. But well, I thought I, I, I thought for yeah. two and a half quarters, it was really impressive. Yeah, and as I wrote on my story, almost losing but still winning is a lot better than almost winning but losing. Because usually with the Browns, well, they almost won but lost. Or, you know, uh, Josh Cripps, a great line is, we almost always almost win. Uh, but in the end, you lose. And that was going to happen here. Look, the Browns don't have a great defense. And when that line gets tired uh, and they're, like you said, you saw they're playing on turf and everything else, they're going to get into trouble. But every time they needed to score, once they get going, they score. I mean, when Dearness Johnson is your leading rusher, a new era begins right in front of our eyes. I mean, you have a few, Dontrell Hilliard had a couple of good runs. And these guys were around last year. They didn't do anything when they got in. Uh, it shows what that line is doing, how strong. I, how were, what, were you guys screaming like when they did the end around the old Dell there? At the, at, I, I, I about lost it. I just did. What are they doing? Which, Scott, I asked you about it. I don't know if I asked Ellis about the end around. What, what did you think of that play? Obviously, we know the result, but process versus result, right? Yeah, so I actually I got a list of notes here, kind of my five, <laughs> six biggest takeaways, and it's my top point. I mean, it says, Stefanski went for it all with three exclamation points, brackets, risky as it gets. I mean, that, yeah. that is a play that uh, is either all or nothing. Not that he planned on it being that way, but just the way Dallas defended it. And correct me if I'm wrong, that was Alden Smith who almost had a shot on Odell there, right, the linebacker. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he is, he's, no, he's no scrub. I know he's been out of football for a while, but that's an athletic guy who um, 
really could have disrupted that play. And now we're looking, what, at probably second and 28, second and 30. I've no, it felt like Odell was a mile behind the line of scrimmage. <laughs> How did he ever and, get to the end zone, too, you guys? That, I want to see you break that down when you really do, Ellis. <laughs> well, I, mean, I can tell you. Like, he ran through, like, half the that. team. Yeah, essentially, Terry, that just turns into a punt return. He's just, you know, <laughs> in the open field and making guys miss. But, yeah, that went from – and, again, Savancy said it. It went from suspect to a home run call. Um, but that's how – how quickly these things change in the NFL because if that play doesn't work, we're yes. talking about Kevin Stefanski and his play calling a lot differently right now. And then you put all that pressure on your defense too. Exactly. And you think they're going to make that? You think they're yeah, going to make that stop? Running and all that junk. Well, Terry, Ter- Scott, Scott said if that play uh, does get stopped in the backfield, Freddie Kitchens is going to be on Twitter. <laughs> Letting everybody waiting, know about it. I was oh, waiting yeah. for someone to drop a Freddie bomb there. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Hey, let, let's talk about the defense here because it, it has been brought up in the chat. And, you know, obviously, look, after wins, we love to talk about the good stuff. But this comes from Jonathan R. We talk a lot about the offense, which has so many weapons and a great scheme and coach. But the defense, other than Miles and maybe the front line, generally is just terrible. Jonathan R being one. <laughs> the Browns get more than 30 scored on them every week. People pass at will. I, I guess the, the question, as he puts it, is how do you solve it? So I, I guess I'll ask each of you, whether it's one thing, whatever it is, um, we've talked about Andrew Sandejo, if that's solvable or not. Um, but overall, Joe Woods comes to you. He calls you. He runs into you in the hallway in Berea. I guess we're not in Berea anymore, so he can't, he can't do that. But whatever. You run into Joe Woods somewhere out and about. He says, how do I fix this? What do you tell him? I know this. If Joe Woods is asking me, he's in worse shape than I thought. <laughs> because it, number one is it's hard. And secondly, um, I will say a couple of things. Like I think at times like Terrence Mitchell and Denzel play fairly well in the corners and this would be good. Like Scott and Ellis really break down a lot of tape and things. I just don't, I just don't have that. See, Scott used to have hair though. He started breaking down tape and that did it to him right there. That's what you got to look forward to Ellis. But in terms of uh, why everybody again, in the middle of the field for the most part tends to be open that stuff. Uh, I guess it's linebacker safeties. There's there. Um, I was hoping Ronnie Harrison would hang on to that ball just so he would play more. <laughs> Ellis, what's, what's your answer? Uh, it, <laughs> I think it's important to keep this in perspective. This is the number one passing offense in football. Now, I know the, the, the listeners saying, you know, they, they're giving up 30 a game. I understand that. But going up against Dak Prescott in this loaded receiving core is a tough ask for any defense. Now, with that in mind, I completely agree with Terry. Denzel and Terrence have done well on the outside. Um, the, t- the touchdown, the first touchdown of C.D. Lamb is an example of things that just can't happen. I mean, that is a straight line vertical yeah. from the num- number three receiver, and he just splits uh, Carl Joseph and Anderson Dejo down the middle. That's the simple stuff where when you don't have the talent, you need to be assignment sound, and they're not even communicating well at that point. And, you know, so much happened that I don't know if that question even got asked or if that touchdown was brought up because it was the first of what turned into, uh, like you said, uh, Dan, a big 12 game. So the, the answer is your pass rush, but then when you have a game like this, and really when the offense scores as fast as it does, even though scoring is something you, of course, want to do, your pass rush gets absolutely exhausted, and then it's non-existent there in the fourth quarter so by the way uh, just to, up to your point Allison let you guys again who's new study this I really mean that you and Scott I was told a big reason Sandejo plays so much is because he like he knows where everybody's supposed to be and gets them there yeah and yeah and and, and I just heard you say nobody knew where they were supposed <laughs> to be and no one was there uh and it seemed there was a couple not quite as blatant but there were a couple other ones um on that so you know that part of thing and i i don't i guess i, I just figured i'd throw that out there because i asked a high high placed person as they say with the with the browns and why is this guy playing nine thousand snaps and that's what he said yeah you need a leader in your back end and we kind of said at the top of the show that you trust a veteran to just have a control of the defense but that doesn't account for what he lacks physically so scott yeah. you can have a crack at this question next but in short, I don't expect it to get a whole lot better. The Browns are going to have to score a lot of points, and that's what these games are going to keep looking like. Yeah, I think you're going to have to get used to this kind of game. Um, they, there, there's no even even Ronnie Harrison taking over somebody's spot. If, if you put in Ronnie Harrison for Sandejo, or you're still, it's not going to be a, a huge improvement because 
you just don't have a lot of options back there. I think other positions on the defense, there are guys who can come back healthy. You know, you get Greedy Williams on the field. You help yourself out in the, in the slot. You know, Kevin Johnson is still coming back. You get different linebackers back healthy who, you know, they're now they're starting to show up guys like Jacob Phillips and, and, uh, and Mac Wilson. So I think that's the big change that can happen for this defense, but uh, you know, nothing to this point would indicate that, that this is going to be uh, you're, you're not going to see a lot of blowouts, I think, in the Browns' favor. You're going to see games where they score a lot of points, and the other team probably scores a lot of points. Um, and it's just, like you said at the top, it's going to be bend but don't break, and that's just the reality of what this team is this year. You know, the weird thing is this is probably the best run defense they've had in a long time. One of the years of Greg Williams, they were pretty good. But these guys, what's what, four games now? Nobody's really run the ball on them. But they're and throwing I- it all over the place, but they don't run it. I, I was actually surprised by that a little bit last week because, um, you know, do we, we do these pregame chats with the, the subscribers here. And uh, somebody asked me about the run defense, and I went on Football Outsiders and looked at the defensive line grades. And the Browns were really good against the run uh, on their grades and then maintained yeah. in, into this week, as you'd expect, because they played really well against Washington. So and the, and the stats uh, whatever you look good. at, counting yeah. stats, analytics, their, their run defense has been good. And, and that forces more numbers. Yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, that, and that forces teams to pass, which, you know, isn't always great for the Browns. So you don't want to tackle when they run? Maybe they should just <laughs> let people run. Maybe that is the solution. There we go. There, there was a story I saw somebody tweet this week where uh, Bill Belichick told his defense when he was with the Giants, we're going to let Thurman Thomas get 100 yards. And the defense was just outraged. But, you know, he said that's, that's kind of how they can beat him. My solution is just tell Miles Garrett to keep getting strip sacks. Three games in a row for Miles. Let's take a minute before we uh, sign off here to give Miles some credit because yeah. right now we've talked about this. He's got to go to the next level. I think I'm stealing content again from uh, got to watch the tape, but he, we've talked about he's got to get to the next level and we're seeing it right before our eyes. He, he's gotten to the next level. Now, I don't know exactly what was going on in the fourth quarter, uh, why he wasn't able to be out there a little more, if it was fatigue or what it was, um, but Look, that strip sack, another sack early in the game. Those things changed the game where it was going to be, we knew it was going to be a shootout. So to force a turnover, to get a sack, and get Dallas off the field early, those plays even early in the game matter. I would like to see when you guys do the tape, how many uh, chances the Browns had for interceptions that they missed. I could think of at least, at least four. And there's four. Okay. I think there were four. Taki Taki had one. Harrison had one. And I forgot there. But, you know, so you pick two more of those off. I mean, and that might be part of what's going to – the defense here is just to keep creating more turnovers. Uh, certainly, they're getting chances to do that. Yeah, it seems, Terry, I, I – Go ahead. Oh, sorry, Scott. Go ahead, Go ahead Scott. I was going to say, one of, the, one of the ways Miles Garrett is getting to the next level is moving to the other side of the, the line. He's rushing more from the left side this year. Uh, both games that Olivier Vernon has been on the field, Garrett's been on the left the entire time. So he's facing right tackles. He's closer to the ball. Two of the strip sacks have come from the left. Um, it's just he's, you know, becoming a better, more versatile guy than you saw the first couple of years when 90% of the time he's over facing left tackles. So they're really moving him around. What I thought was interesting is that even the last two games when Vernon wasn't in there, he was more of a 50-50 split. Um, I know Garrett's indicated in the past that he kind of has the call on which side he wants to go on, but it seems like when Vernon's out there, they keep him on the left and say, go get the right tackle. And he ended up getting one of them benched today. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. And that's this defense starts and ends with Miles Garrett. But I also really like what Terry said about them being a, a turnover creating defense. And I'm going to stick with Dan's big 12 comp, because if they are going to be a defense that lets up a lot of touchdowns, well, you know, just be like a college football defense and create some turnovers. And, that Miles Garrett has swung three straight games now. Uh, I believe Andrew Sandejo actually, you know, we've been um, talking about him getting beaten coverage. I believe he forced that Ezekiel Elliott fumble. And, and to me, other than the um, Stefanski reverse Odo Beckham touchdown at the end, that was that sequence was really the game. You know, it was 14-14, strip sack makes it 21-14. Then the Zeke fumble makes it 28-14. The Cowboys get a false start on a third and 10. It's third 15. They punt. Browns get a field goal 31-14. You know, when if the Cowboys are going to turn over in back-to-back plays, 
and credit the Browns for making those plays. They weren't, you know, they weren't knucklehead plays. That's a Miles Garrett beating his guy and then Tadeo making a heads up play uh, and punching the ball. So if, if they're going to be a defense that's opportunistic, that's better than being a defense that doesn't put your offense in a position to score. So they keep talking about complimentary football that happened today. Again, it starts and ends with Miles Garrett, who we are watching take that next jump. If they're going to make, if the Browns are going to have a defense that allows you to throw a lot, then it should give you more opportunities. This is basic analytics here. More opportunities make interceptions because of the more they throw it, the more you, somebody gets a ball is tipped or whatever happens. Like, like the ball that uh, Taki Taki had goes off his hands, and I believe Cooper or somebody caught it. So it yeah. wasn't not only you didn't intercept it, they got a reception out of it. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that'll do it for this one. The Browns have Indianapolis next week, and that's going to be a really good test. A very good defense. Not as good an offense as has been mentioned in the chat here uh, by everyone. Um, any of us going to pick against the Browns next week? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm picking against them. Totally. <laughs> do, we, do we all get hey, – hey, are, are we all Twitter shamed quick, out of this? Real quick, across the board, how, how long do you spend on your prediction? I'm trying to get a ballpark figure because mine is like a solid – like a solid two minutes. I put some thought into it during the week. You know, I, I mean, you know, as the week goes along, I kind of think, who am I going to pick? You know, and then I send out that email to all of you guys and kind of just throw a score out there. Um, I don't spend a lot of time. I will say this. I mean, if the worst thing I do in life is get a prediction wrong against a Cowboys team that almost came back and won, I'll be all right. <laughs> Not based on my emails. They don't like it when you're wrong. I mean, I, I it's one of those one of those things, like if you actually like, I think, Scott, you picked them to beat Baltimore. Then they lose 38-6 to six to Baltimore. So you're the biggest idiot in the world. Now, the rest of us – now, stick with me. So now the rest of us, you know, we thought they just – we probably all figured they'd give up 39 points and lose, you know, or whatever it was. And it turns out they won. So now we're all the biggest idiots in the world because how can we pick against the Browns? I know. Hey, I'll, I'll go out on this note. I don't even check my Twitter mentions anymore. But when we get it right – and we all pick they're going to beat the Bengals. We don't hear a lot, do we? So it's love. That's the way we play the game. It's all fun, right? It's fun. It's all love. It's all love. Scott, you picked them to go 13 and three last year. So I don't want to hear I anyone did. talk about negativity and, and anything. That's right. <laughs> and I spent two minutes on that, too. Did they say anything more, by the way, about Nick Chubb? Just uh, a, the, he, he's going yeah. to have an MRI. That was it. Of course, with, with Stefanski, it's that that was a big revelation to say that. Yeah, right, we all right. love Kevin as a coach, but Kevin on injuries makes Bill Belichick talkative. Hey, you know what? If you win games, you can be as uh, quiet it. as you want during press conferences. Well, as I said, too, he's sort of a polite Belichick on that. And that's fine. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's what he is. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, the postgame edition. Uh, for everyone who joined us here live, thank you very much. If you want to get in next week on the live show, text 216-208-3965. Start that 14-day free trial of Football Insider for everyone who joined us. Mary Kay, Scott, Ellis, Terry, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening.